Grace, mercy, and peace are yours. From God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, amen. Today we begin our sermon series entitled A Firm Foundation. You probably don't need to experience much life in this world to see that life is often unstable, shaky, not firm at all. And that's what makes the promises of God so special, is that they give us something to stand on, something certain and firm, something that never changes, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Today we'll see how God fights for us through the text that we read earlier from Exodus chapter 14. Have you heard the expression, stuck between a rock and a hard place? I'm guessing you probably have. Maybe you've even used it in your own life. It's usually said when someone has a situation where it doesn't seem like there's an easy solution or maybe even a good solution. As I was thinking about this today, I thought about our students who are, are currently seeking housing for next year. It's kind of a rush to make sure that you get a place to live, but you want to make sure it's the right place. And so choosing between options of how high the rent is and where it's located can sometimes feel like you're stuck between a rock and a hard place. Maybe you've had similar experiences in your life. Maybe you decided to switch jobs and, and you knew that was going to be a difficult transition. See, we know that idea of being stuck between a rock and a hard place. Maybe some of you know the man on the screen. His name is Aaron Ralston. And Aaron wrote a book called Between a Rock and a Hard Place because he was quite literally stuck between a rock and a hard place. You see, Aaron Ralston's book is about the day in 2003 when he descended into Blue Jay Canyon in Utah, dislodged a boulder, and the boulder pinned his arm between the canyon wall and the, the boulder. I don't want to give too much away because you can watch the movie version in 127 hours is the title of the movie. But let me just say it involves a sacrifice. It involves his arm and a pocket knife. I won't say any more. That's quite a sacrifice he made. And yet maybe the people of Israel understood exactly what Aaron Ralston was up against. They understood what it meant between a, between, to be between a rock and a hard place because as Pharaoh's army pursued and they looked behind them, they realized they had nowhere to go because there was a sea in front of them. Moses' encouragement isn't just for the Israelites this morning. It's for you and me, too, to see how God already has the solution figured out. He already has everything that we need as he fights for us. That's the truth we want to take from this portion of God's word today. Listen again to Exodus chapter 14, verses 13 to 14. Moses answered the people, Do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. Yes, God fights for us. That's one of the promises that God gives us in his word that provides us with a firm foundation. And as he fights for us, we know that God himself reduces our fears and, and he fills us with awe at his blessings. Maybe just to zoom out a little bit into the greater context, we read a few verses from chapter 14 before, but what led up to these events of the people being hemmed in by Pharaoh's army and by the sea? This is all about the Exodus. 
that word that means to depart or to go out. The people of Israel were leaving Egypt after a series of ten plagues that God had sent to convince the Pharaoh that it was time to let the people go. The final plague of those ten plagues was the plague on the firstborn. And there was great sadness in Egypt. And it allowed the people of Israel to eat that final Passover meal in haste and then to leave, to escape those who had used them as forced labor for some 400 plus years. And now, God led them. He led them out of Egypt by a pillar of cloud at day and pillar of fire at night. And then he had them camp right in front of the sea. Pharaoh realized, wait a minute, this labor force that I had is gone. We need to go get them back. And so he got his chariots and men ready to pursue the people of Israel and to bring them back to Egypt. It was then that the people of Israel realized the trouble that they were in. Camped with the sea in front of them and Pharaoh's army coming from behind, there seemed to be no solution. I don't think that we could say that the people of Israel's reaction surprises us. First of all, they express their worry. And then they complain. They complain to Moses that it would have been so much better if they would have just stayed in Egypt. At least they could have only been servants in Egypt and not be subject to death like was about to happen. They look back on their time in Egypt and kind of thought, well, those were the good old days. That's when things weren't as bad as they are right now. They felt trapped because there was nowhere for them to turn. How about you? Have you felt that way in your life? A little bit trapped? Not quite sure which way to turn, what the solution is to the frustration or the trouble that you're experiencing? Maybe you found yourself in a financial hole and inflation isn't helping matters. And now you wonder, what do I do? How do I get out of this? What, what can I possibly do to make this better? Maybe it's a health crisis that you're going through. How to see through all the things that are going on. Which doctor should I go to? Which treatment should I receive? How am I going to deal with this, possibly even for the rest of my life? Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe a friendship that's soured or something that's going on in your family that makes you feel like you're stuck. There's no way out. How do we react when those things come up? Isn't it safe to say that we're a lot like the people of Israel? We worry. We figure out, try to figure out how we can solve our own problems. We complain, wondering if God has any idea what's going on in our lives and there's anything that he can do about it. Maybe we even look back and think about the good old days, how it used to be, and wish that maybe we could go back to something that seems so much better. You see, we need the same encouragement that Moses brought to the people of Israel. We need to hear God's promises, to have that firm foundation as God takes away our fears. And that's exactly what Moses sought to do. He sought to bring comfort to the people of Israel. He sought to bring them comfort with these words, Do not be afraid. You know that that phrase appears in the Bible as much as any other phrase? Do not be afraid. You see, God knew that, that 
Having no fear was certainly not an easy thing for his people to live with no fear. And so he encourages us again and again to trust in him. See, God knows what fear can do. That fear can eat away at our faith. That fear leads us to stand on on shaky legs and wobbly knees. And that's why Moses says to the people, stand firm. God is with you. You are not on your own. He gives them every reason to stand firm as he goes on. You will see the deliverance the Lord himself will bring you today. That word in the original language, the word for deliverance, could be translated salvation as well. It's the word that perhaps you've even heard, Yeshua, which is the Hebrew version of a New Testament name that I know you know, the name Jesus. You see, that's what God was promising through Moses, that there was going to be deliverance, salvation, that he was going to get them out of the predicament that they were in. That deliverance wasn't going to come from some scheme that the people of Israel were able to come up with, some trick that they were able to pull to throw the Egyptians off. No, the deliverance could only come from one source, and that was from the Lord. After all, how could they? How could the people of Israel have foreseen what God was about to do? His solution was an unseen solution. They saw a sea and an army, and God saw a place for the people of Israel to walk through the sea as he split the water in two and let them go on dry ground from one side to the other. How could they have ever thought that that was what God was going to do? But it's why Moses could say what he did. You will see the deliverance the Lord will bring to you today. That deliverance was in the hands of God. Maybe you know this guy. I don't know if people are fans of the world's strongest man competition. His name is Tom Ralston. He was the winner this past May of the World's Strongest Man. Has anybody ever seen the World's Strongest Man competition? A few people. The feats of strength are truly incredible. This guy is a mountain of a man. He stands six feet, eight inches tall, weighs over 400 pounds. And the people in the competition for World's Strongest Man do things like pull a vehicle with a rope. Not sure I could even budget, but they drag it for a hundred meters and are timed to take like a dump truck or a large vehicle and pull it all by themselves. What he has in his arms are called atlas stones, and there are five of them that need to be lifted and hoisted onto platforms that range from 220 to 350 pounds. This man is strong. So think about it. Let's say that You decided you weren't safe walking to class anymore and you needed a bodyguard. Tom Ralston might not be a bad guy to have you walk with you to class, huh? Who's going to mess with this guy? Who's going to mess with the world's strongest man, right? I hope that brings to mind what Paul said as we read it before in Romans chapter 8. If God is for us, who can be against us? See, God isn't the world's strongest man. He's the strongest thing in the entire universe. Nothing can stand up to him. No one can overpower him. And he is on your side, fighting for you. We almost have to take a step back and stand in awe that God, the God of the universe, is on our side and cares about each one of us so deeply that he did something about it. 
That's what Moses addresses next. He says, the Lord will fight for you. And that's exactly what God did by splitting the sea and letting them walk through on dry ground. But God's grace and mercy didn't end there for the people of Israel. No, he fed them manna from heaven. He made water come from a rock. He watched over them and protected them all the way to the land that he had promised that they would inherit. And that same God who fought for the people of Israel fights for you and me. He sent his son Jesus to fight, to fight against Satan and defeat Satan in our place. It's Jesus who took on sin and defeated it by his perfect life and by dying on a cross for you and for me. That's why Moses can finish his urging to the people of Israel with these words. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. The concept of that word in Hebrew is this idea of not worrying, of just taking it easy, of understanding that we can hold on to our peace, the peace that we have from God. But that won't go away when we see that God is stronger than anything in this world. Maybe it's a time, good time for a question at this point. How do we know? How do we know that God is going to fight for us? How do we know that when those sticky situations, when those rock and a hard place things happen in our life, how do I know that God is fighting for me? Did you hear what the Apostle Paul said in Romans chapter 8? If God did not spare his own son, but gave him up for all of us, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? God gave Jesus he offered Jesus so that we can stand before him holy and blameless with sins taken away forever. And Paul goes on in Romans chapter 8 to say, because of Jesus, nothing, nothing can separate us from the love of God. That's your confidence as your Savior fights for you and as we stand in awe of the blessings that that brings. Some beautiful words from Isaiah chapter 49 that demonstrate just how much God wants to fight for you, how much he cares and loves, cares for you and loves you. Through Isaiah, God had these words written, But Zion said, The Lord has forsaken me. The Lord has forgotten me. Can a mother forget the baby at her breast and have no compassion on the child she has born? Though she may forget, I will not forget you. See, I have engraved you on the palms of my hands. Your walls are ever before me. God will not forget us. He has us graven, engraved on the palms of his hands. We could go one step further, couldn't we? Jesus has the nail marks in his hands, engraved in his hands to prove his love for each of us. Some takeaways from the sermon today. Number one, we have a firm foundation because God limits our fears. Through the prophet Isaiah, God said this, fear not for I am with you, do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Number two, we have a firm foundation because God delivers us from sin and death. The Savior has come. And in Jesus, we have the atoning sacrifice for our sins. And not only our sins, but the sins of the whole world. Finally, number three, we have a firm foundation because we have our God fighting for us. The writer to the Hebrews said it this way, so I say, we say with confidence, God is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? It's 
There are situations in life, right, where we feel like we might be stuck, there. we don't see a solution, then we remember the God who loves us, the God who's fighting for us, the God who has all things in his hands. And maybe we'll never literally be stuck between a rock and a hard place and have to make the sacrifice that an Aaron Ralston made, but we know a sacrifice that was already made that demonstrates that God loves us and will never abandon us the sacrifice of his son, Jesus, our Savior. God will fight for us. And because of that, we can leave everything to God. Maybe you've heard this statement before that I put on the slide on the screen, but it says it so well. Those who leave everything in God's hands will eventually see God's hand in everything. That's the firm foundation that we have because we know that the Lord fights for us all the way to our eternal home with him. Amen. The peace of God which passes all understanding will guard and keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.